Pastor Lawrence is out ministering at a church in Texas this morning. So it is my privilege to get to speak to you guys today. So I'm excited to speak. I don't know about you, but I am very excited to be a part of this church family. Anybody else? It's an honor to serve here and serve with you guys and with Pastor Lawrence. And it's great that we have the opportunities that we have. How many of you guys enjoyed Steve Uppel here the last couple weeks when he was here? Yeah? Phenomenal time of ministry. And you know, I just want to point out, the church is so much bigger than just these four walls, right? It's, I, I love the fact the pastor is away. He's in Texas ministering at a church that we're connected to there. Steve Uppel was here because of ministry connections that have happened. There were, I believe, 11 other churches that were here with us uh, when Steve Uppel came for that Saturday session. So it was just a great time of the church coming together and us being able to partner with each other in ministry beyond just our four walls and even just our close community. But that just tells me God is up to something in the kingdom. And it is so much bigger than just right here in this place. But I believe God is doing something very unique right here in this place. And I want us to jump into that this morning. Sound good? I'm excited for what God has in store for us today. So the title, if you're taking notes, I'm going to jump right into the message today. And it is the responsibility of grace. And I know it's kind of an odd title, but let me give you a little bit of an explanation as we jump in, right? How many of you realize... We contribute nothing to our salvation except our sin. That's it. The only thing we contribute to us being saved is our sin. Jesus came, he lived, he died for us to be forgiven, for us to receive grace so that we can enter into that relationship with God. I'm going to start on that premise right there. You can't earn it. You're not good enough. You will never be good enough to receive grace on your own. It is through Jesus Christ alone that we get grace. Okay? but we stop there too often. We've received grace. That's the starting point. We've now entered into a relationship because of the grace of God in our life. Are you with me? Now that we've received that grace, we have a responsibility to do something with it because how many of you realize God did not just create you to try to live and survive this life and one day make it to heaven? He really didn't, and I think a lot of times we live that way where it's like, if I can just make it through this week. I mean, I've got Jesus in my heart, so I'm one day I'm going to make it to heaven. If I can just get through today, if I can make it till Friday, and then Monday, it's like, oh, here we go again. Right? And we get in this cycle where it's like, if I can just make it a few more days. God, if you'll just help me through this situation. God, if you'll just help me through tomorrow. God, if you'll just do this, and we create this life unintentionally that is purely focused on the problems we face each and every day. And we create this pattern that's just like, God, if you can just get me through tomorrow, God wants you to do a lot more than just get through tomorrow or just get through today. Anybody ever just get overwhelmed? Turn on the news, talk to friends, get on social media, it's like, dear Lord, where are we going? Right? I mean, honestly, we get out in the world and it's like, Jesus, come now. <laughs> and it's so easy to be overwhelmed and see all the darkness and all the issues and all the struggles and all the problems. But if we begin to focus on all the struggles and all the problems, we've missed the purpose of us being here. Jesus didn't come 
so that you could one day make it to heaven. He actually came so that you can live life to the fullest. That doesn't mean, that means water parks every day. That's not what live life to the fullest means. We're not eight, right? No, it means I'm going to be rich and happy. Like, no, that's not actual happiness. It doesn't come from the amount of money in your wallet. It comes from the relationships that he's entrusted to you. True happiness comes from understanding that God created you for a purpose and you functioning in that purpose, whether the paycheck matches the work that you put in or not. Anybody ever feel like you put in way more work than that paycheck looks like when you open it, right? But are you doing what God's called you to do? That's the question. Are you investing in the relationships that he's given you? That's the question. God didn't put you here just to one day make it to heaven. He put you here to make a difference on earth right now. Man, that's a lot of weight, though, Pastor Chris, to make a difference. It is. It can be. We focus on the wrong part. See, here's the thing. Making a difference in the world right now doesn't mean you've got to have all the answers or fix everybody's problems. Our job is not to change people. Our job is to love people. When we do that, we introduce them to a loving heart of a Savior who can then come in and begin to transform the atmosphere of their life and begin to make a difference. We've just got to learn to play our part. We've got to learn to play our part well. Anybody ever had somebody try to change you, fix you, fix you? Let's put it that way, right? Did that help you or did it make you want to just punch him in the throat? Jesus flipped tables. We can say that every once in a while, okay? Anyway. (laughs) Right? Like, we've got to be careful. Like, it's not your job to change people. If you just come up and start telling people all the things that are wrong with them, how many of you are well aware of everything wrong in your life? So someone coming and telling me how messed up my life is and everything wrong with it, it's really not all that helpful. I'm aware of things you're not aware of that are wrong with my life. I don't need you compounding it, telling me more. But I do need you to tell me that in the middle of whatever I am facing, there is a God who loves me and cares for me no matter what I'm walking through. See, if we can begin to just show the love of Jesus to the world around us despite our differences, we can really begin to unlock something about the loving nature of of God. I love, this isn't even part of where I'm going today, but I, I want to hit on this. You know, Jesus and the woman at the well is one of the perfect examples of this. She was a Samaritan. He was a Jew. Culturally, they were not supposed to talk. And what does he do? Well, he tells her what's wrong with her life. No, he doesn't. The first thing he does is dignifies her with a conversation. She was considered to be less than dirt at that culture, in that time. And what does he do? He walks up and dignifies her with a conversation, enters into a dialogue with her, and ultimately says, look, I've got water that is a living water. You're here every day just trying to survive. I've got something that is better than surviving. But it can actually change the atmosphere of your life. And what's her response? Okay, yeah, I want that. Okay, then here's what needs to happen. There There was an attitude that came because she was dignified with a conversation to begin to change something about the heart. Guys, we've got to dignify people with a conversation. Understand, I may totally disagree with you on a subject, but I can love you either way. This was, is a hard one. Yeah, this is a side note freebie right here, but this is going to be a really hard one. 
you can disagree and you don't even have to tell them how dumb they are because you don't agree. You can disagree and keep that to yourself and it'll still be okay. Because it's not your job to change them. Now, there's a difference, all right? It is not your job to change them. It is your job to love them. There's a difference in changing and condoning, all right? There's a very big difference there, and we've got to know the difference in that. I can love somebody who's an alcoholic. That doesn't mean I go buy them a pint, okay? Like, there's a difference in that. We've got to understand the difference in those. And I can love you, and we can have a disagreement, and we can disagree, and I can love you anyway. But the way that I love you is by when you have a difference of opinion, I don't have to tell you how wrong that opinion is because that's my opinion. We don't have to get into that fight. We don't have to attend that. In fact, I can just show you the love of Jesus, and we can talk about the things that we agree on. Here's the thing that I find is most people agree on far more than they disagree on. It's the matter of what they focus on that creates the problem. See, I love this. John 8, 12, when Jesus again spoke to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever will follow me will never walk in darkness, but they will have the light of life. How many of you guys think there is plenty of darkness in the world that we live in today? A lot of times we turn on the TV or... We get in conversations, we walk out, and we begin to get overwhelmed because we see the amount of darkness in the world around us. The problem is the problem is our world isn't consumed by darkness. It's not that there's an abundance of darkness. It's that there's an absence of light. And if we get the perspective right, and it's not, oh, I'm so overwhelmed, everything is so bad, it needs to be, God, this is real bad. We really need you right now. If my focus becomes on the light, instead of the darkness, I'm no longer overwhelmed because I have hope in the middle of my situation. Anybody ever been camping? Quick plug, men's camp out, April 1st. You guys need to come. It's going to be on the South Dam, Lake Thunderbird, 10 bucks, show up. We've already got campsites over there. Bring your food, bring your tent. It's going to be fun. But Advertisement over. Uh, that just came to me. Sorry, that wasn't a part. I didn't even put that in there intentionally. But here's the thing. If you go camping and you're in the dark, anybody ever notice in the dark, it's real dark. <laughs> right? Anybody ever have a flashlight go dead on you in the dark and you're like, oh, crap. What do I do? Right? You can't see. You, what do you do? Nowadays, you don't go find another flashlight. You get your phone. Right? And you're like walking through the house. Side note, this is not even, I'm sorry, I'm horrible this morning. Not part of my message, but here's the thing. The funniest thing to me is power goes out. How many of you guys walk through your house just like that? You got your cell phone, you try to make sure you don't hit a couch, anything else? You get up at 2 in the morning to go get a drink, and you're like, you know where every little thing is with your eyes closed half awake. But when you're aware of the darkness, all of a sudden, you're scared to move. See, we got to be really careful. Sometimes we become so aware of the darkness, we're afraid to move. And the truth of it is God is trying to be a light in the middle of that situation. If we will simply have the confidence in him in the middle of what we're facing, it begins to transform everything about the world around us. 
It's not your job to change people. It's your job to love people. It's God's job to change people. I love this. John 9, verse 3 through 5, Jesus answered, This happened so that the power of God could be revealed or could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned by the one who sent us. Night is coming, and no one will be able to work. I love this. Verse 5. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Who's the light of the world? Jesus. Jesus is talking. He says, right now, this happened so that God can be revealed. And as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. I love this. You guys see the theme where we're going here? John 8, I am the light of the world. Anybody who follows me will no longer live in darkness. You see where we're going? Who's the light of the world? Jesus. Our world is not just overwhelmed by darkness. It simply needs more light. Who's the light? Jesus. Our world does not need us to tell you all of our personal opinion ways to solve your problems. It needs Jesus in the middle of the situation. It's that simple, right? Now, I had the privilege of coaching the last few years for my son's elementary basketball team. I know it sounded like I was going somewhere real amazing. To me, that was amazing, okay? But here's the thing I want to point out because there's something that I noticed. Preparing for this message, I was thinking through, and something stood out to me. Every year, we had at least one or two kids who thought whether that team was going to win or lose was based on that kid. Every year. And the hardest part of coaching that kid is helping them understand when they're trying to play everybody else's position, they're not in theirs. See, some of you guys need to hear me. Sometimes the hardest part of God trying to do what he wants to do in your life is the fact that you are trying to play everybody else's position instead of doing what you were created to do. If we would simply be in our position, do what you were created to do, function in the way you were created to function, let God position people where they need to be positioned and you be positioned where God's positioned you, and I promise you, you will begin to see things change in a way that you never imagined because you're no longer trying to be someone you're not and you're allowing God to be who God is. We spend so much of our life trying to be people we're not. Anybody ever do that? I mean, we dress differently. We act differently. We do all these different things. We're trying to become somebody that we think we need to become. And the truth of it is if you would just be who God created you to be, you would actually be able to accomplish far more than what you think you're trying to accomplish being like somebody else. There are people you will reach that I will never reach. Why? Because I'm not you. There are people I will reach that you will never reach. Why? Because you're not me. And if you spend your time trying to be me or I spend my time trying to be you, people are being missed on both sides. Because we're not doing what God created us to do. And that is to love people. That is to be there for people and care for people. Sir Edmund Burke said this. I love this quote. The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Now I'm going to take a little bit of a turn here. Who's the light of the world? Jesus. What does our world need more than anything? Jesus. Let's go to Scripture for a second. 1 John 2, 6. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. 
Our world needs Jesus. Our world doesn't need your opinion. Our world needs Jesus, but our world needs you to live like him so that they can see Jesus in the way you live your life, in where the way you go to the grocery store, the way you go to the gas station, the way you act at work, the way you act in your marriage, the way you parent at the game. That would hurt, I know. <laughs> the world needs to see Jesus and we can say all day, man, if the world just had Jesus, the world will have Jesus when they begin to see him in you. You are the introduction. You may be the first example of grace that that person's ever going to see in their situation. I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with people, and later they're like, you're a pastor? Like, oh, yeah. And they're blown away. Why? Because they expected me to act a certain way, and instead I just did what only I can do, be me. Unfortunately, that's not real pastoral sometimes. <laughs> right? That's why they were like, you're what? That's okay. Because I think we get this idea of what pastoral means, and what we're really saying is, oh, you're not real religious. No, I'm not, because I'm not supposed to be. See, we got to be really careful. We get caught up in this religious spirit trying to become somebody that we're not. Well, we've got to do this and we've got to do that. No, you've got to love Jesus and let Jesus do what only Jesus can do. I would willing to bet most of you in this room have a relationship with Jesus. That's why you're in the room. Let me ask you a question. How would you get to know him? But you think about it for just a moment. Was it because somebody one day came up and told you how horrible of a person you were and everything that was wrong with your life, and you were like, man, I am a screw-up. You're right. Probably not. I would wit willing to say either you saw the love of Jesus at a young age or you were at a desperate, dark place in your life and somebody showed up and they loved you where you were despite what you were going through and you were able to see the love of Jesus in that person's actions that drew you into a place of being willing to have a conversation about who Jesus was and what he wanted to bring to your life. God didn't beat you into salvation. He loved you into it. And as the church, we got to stop trying to beat people with the word and love them so they can see the true love of God in the word. We've got to be able to have a real conversation. But here's where this comes from, Romans 2, 4. Do you not see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Anybody relate yet? Does this mean nothing to you at all? Can't you see it's his kindness that is intended to turn you from your sin? When we truly understand the love of God and the grace that no matter how many times we have failed him and we have missed it, that he's still there. When we see that, that is the thing that generally draws us into his heart. That's the thing that helps us understand that, God, I don't even know how you could forgive me again. But will you give me one more shot? Anybody ever prayed that prayer before? 
about 4,000 times. But catch this. We laugh because it's like, yeah, I've said that one a lot. But we still say it. That's not a punch in the throat. We still say it because we know there is still a loving God who no matter how many times we've said it before will take us every time we say it again. So no matter how many times we fail, there's always a place we can come back to. And that is a hope that our world needs to know. No matter how many times you've blown it, no matter how bad the headline, no matter how bad the situation you're walking through, there is a God who will take you and he will love you no matter where you're walking through. But you don't understand, Pastor Chris. You don't know what I did. I know this. David was known as a man after God's own heart. The man killed one of his best friends so that he could marry his wife, who he had knocked up because he was on a rooftop watching her take a bath. Dude had a porn problem. He had somebody, let's be real, it was a time when kings would go to war. and He wasn't at war. He was on a rooftop at a time where everybody would go and take baths. He knew where he was, and he knew what he was doing, but he positioned himself in a place where he could be tempted and lust and then enter into that temptation, pulling her in, getting her pregnant, then positioning his best friend to be killed. And that's only one of the stories. But he understood the grace of God and he understood the loving nature of God and he knew how to worship and he knew how to repent. I don't care what you've done wrong. That's the beauty of Christianity. Look at the Bible. Go read it. The beauty of Christianity is we don't cover up all the crazy, horrible, jacked up stuff that's in the Bible. It's just like, yeah, that was there. Yeah, he did do that. That was real bad. Did you do anything that bad? No. You're in luck. I mean, think about it. God used him. He can use you, but God, you don't understand. Did you do any of that? No. Those things just aren't randomly in there to embarrass. They're in there to help. Some of y'all need to hear me. We spend so much trying to, time trying to be somebody we're not because we're not comfortable being who we are. We're not comfortable admitting where we've been. And if I can pretend to be somebody else and I can pretend to have it all together and I can pretend to be perfect, then I can show people the perfect love of Jesus. No, you can't. You can show them what a fake Christian looks like. You want to show somebody the perfect love of Jesus, show them all the mess, all the mistakes, all the failures that you've walked through, and there's a loving God that's walked through each and every one of those with you and still wants to redeem you. You can't earn it. God doesn't love you because you're valuable. You're valuable because God loves you. We spend so much time putting our effort to making ourselves valuable enough to be loved or cared for by the world around us that we miss the fact that there was a God who loved you first before you offered anything, before you were able to be anyone, before you had any kind of status or financial situation. He loved you before all of that. And he put a value on you that was so high that he sent his son to live and die for the opportunity for relationship with you. When we look at that as the grace that God brought us, we've got to admit there is a responsibility that comes with a grace that costs that much. We can't just get that grace and be like, man, I'm glad I made it. Woo! No. <laughs> we got to do something with that. 
We got to live in a way that shows people that same love and grace in a hurting world so that they know there's a Savior who can help them, who can rescue them. And they find that through us, through our surrendered, available lives. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that you have done so that no one can boast. I love it. When you start thinking you've got to perform for God to love you, you've missed it. God already loves you, so now there's a responsibility to try to do better. You guys see that? You see, there's a huge difference in that. And we, a lot of times I think we get confused and we mix up. It's like, well, Pastor Chris, faith's not about works. It's not, but faith without works is dead. Faith isn't about your works but because you have faith, there should be works. My wife didn't marry me because she wanted me to be faithful to her. She married me because she loved me, and I loved her. And because of that, I need to be faithful to her. Make sense? Then we need to live our lives the same way. Jesus loves you. He gave you grace to be in relationship with you, not because of what you could do for him, but because he loved you. But now that you love each other and you're in this relationship, we have a responsibility to show that love and grace to the world around you. But how do we do that, Pastor Chris? How do we get that? Can we be honest for a moment? How do we show love and grace in a world that is so messed up at times? we not? I mean, honestly, how do we not? In all of the things that are going wrong, I don't mean that in like a, it's easy kind of a statement, because it's not. (laughs) I mean it in a statement that is more like this. When I see someone who is Hurting and hungry, I only got one burger left. It's not a matter of, if I give them all I have, then I've got nothing. That's not my concern. It's they're in greater need than I'm in need. So how can I not give this hungry, hurting kid my food? I didn't say it's going to be easy. I didn't say I'm not going to be hungry. I'm just going to say that the need that I see is greater than the need that I feel. Because the need that I feel is met at the moment. Jesus wants to meet the need that you have so that you can help meet the needs of others. Well, how do I act like Jesus? Simple. Through the way we love, serve, and give. How do I, love, how do I act like Jesus? By the dude that cut you off on the road? Keep your mouth shut. Keep your hands on the wheel. Or below it. Either way. Okay? That's how you show the love of Jesus. It's not that complicated. It's really not. Well, what if, you know, that's hard, Pastor Chris. I know. Thank God there's repentance. 
but we try our best and we keep going. Through the way we give, are we being faithful with what God's given us? He's blessed you. He's given you something. He's been faithful in your life. Are you being faithful with that in return? Through the way we serve, every one of you in this room, we came in this morning to a prepared environment. There were people greeting at the door. There are people running cameras right now so that our New York table can watch what's going on here so that people who can't make it in this morning can watch what's going on at home. We made sure and provided for those who can't be in the room to still receive what God is doing in the room. Where do you fit? Well, I don't know how to run cameras. Can you hold a baby? <laughs> you don't want me around babies. Okay, what about little kids? <laughs> I'll punt one. No problem. You want to greet people in the parking lot? You don't even got to talk to them. You can just point, park that way. Some of y'all, you don't want me out in front. All this, don't need to be in public. No problem. We got a back room in there where you can help push the buttons for what's going on online. I got an answer. You got a problem. I can tell you where to go. Well, I don't know about that, Pastor Chris. No problem. What are you doing with your neighbors? The elderly neighbor that has to get out and struggles to get their trash to the curb. You know what day trash day is. What if she came walking out with her walker to go move her trash and it was already at the curb? You don't need to go ask. You don't need to. I'm going to go there. Okay? You don't need to post it on social media. I'm out here doing my good deed for Jesus, pushing my name. No, you don't. Down here, I'm going to go feed the homeless. Hey, look at this guy. He's got nowhere to live. I'm, no, you don't. Put your phone away. Dignify them with a conversation, with the time to say, hey, I love you enough. You are valuable enough. I'm going to put my phone away, and I'm going to talk to you the way Jesus would talk to you because he cares about you and loves you. How did you get here? We do far too many things to try to get a like on social media, and the truth of it is that's not being like Jesus. That's being a Pharisee. Jesus said, follow me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Why? Because the people, the people of the church of the day were putting unrealistic expectations on people so that they could look better because they were able to accomplish those that the common folk weren't. That should never be the look of the church. I don't know about you, but I can't, I can't live up to that standard. That can't be the look of the church because I can't do that. I'm human. I make mistakes. I get mad. I yell sometimes. Like I'm yelling right now, but I mean like when I'm not supposed to. Right? Like I blow it. Anybody else in here, you blow it? Good. Stop pretending you don't. People in the world don't need to see Church people who never fail. They need to see church people say, man, I blew it. Thank God there's grace. Pause, time out. Here's a freebie. Grace, just throw this out here. Grace is a safety net so that as you are trying to move forward, if you fall, it catches you. It is not a trampoline so that you stay in one place and just keep popping up every once in a while saying, hey, I'm still good because I'm still in the air. No, that is not grace. Grace is not so you can stay where you are doing the same thing over and over again. Grace is there so you can move forward. And when you fail, because you will fail, it's there to catch you, to pick you back up so you continue to go forward.
Matthew 5, 13. It talks about us being the salt of the earth. Verse 14 says this. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be he- hidden. I will pause for a second. Who's the light of the world? Jesus. But what did Jesus say? I'm going to jump back to John 9, verse 5. It says, but while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. But what's Matthew 5, 14 say? You are the light of the world. Jesus said, I came to be the light. I brought the light. Now I am going back and I am sending someone with you so that when I am gone, you can be that light and you can be that example as you reflect Jesus. Let me just be real clear. You are not good, great enough to be the light of anything on your own, me included. Jesus is still the light of the world. What he's saying is when he goes back, it is our responsibility to carry on what he started. You don't need to become somebody else's savior. You simply need to point them to the savior. And we do that by loving people, by giving, by being faithful and serving, by showing up. I'm just telling you there are things, there are doorways that God will open when you will simply say, God, I'm available that you could never imagine, that you could never imagine. I can't tell you how many times in my own life I've sat in a room and thought, God, how am I in this room? I'll never forget. I'm not going to tell you that. I'm not going to go through the whole story because it takes too long. But when the big tornado hit in Moore, we were like, hey, we'll take a few donations and maybe like open a door one or two days a week and take some bags of clothes out to people. So we made one phone call to a guy who was helping organize stuff and said, hey, what can we do? Literal words. I'm walking into a meeting. Can I call you back? Okay. Calls me back an hour and a half later. Hey, I'm walking into another meeting. Can you come meet me at this location? Okay. I walk into a room, there are five other pastors in the room, and I sit there for like 30 minutes because none of us know what's going on. Pretty soon, the guy I called comes walking in with the city manager, the mayor, and a couple other people. They shut the door behind us like, okay, guys, until we've got a press release, we aren't leaving this room tonight. How do I get in this room? And how do I get out? (laughs) And all of a sudden, we became the North warehouse for what God was doing and over three million dollars worth of merchandise shipped from all over the nation into this place this very room we stopped construction on took chalk and made lines on the ground and began to run forklifts that people donated and we were literally getting semi loads from Rhode Island New York all over the place shipped to this location because we said you know we'll take a couple bags Be careful when you're like, God, use me, because he will. We did the same thing with the city. We walked in and said, hey, we want to help the city. What can we do? Or you guys can do a cookout. No, no, no. We don't want to do something token. Like, how can we really help? Oh, I never had anybody ask that question. I'm not even kidding you. That was the response. You know what? Let's get some people together. Let's come to a meeting next week. Okay, we come to that meeting. Through that, through those conversations, opened a door to a need in the community we were able to launch a safe house out of from investors in Dallas 
who said, yeah, we'll help fund this and do this. And now we've got community groups who put together baskets for, I can't even talk, for people who were rescuing out of abuse, parents and kids. Last year alone, we were able to help rescue 48 different people out of abusive situations, hide them while the abuser was being taken into custody and help walk them through this process. We got people in this very room who are part of community groups that are putting together baskets for them so that when we get a call and they're literally like, hey, we've got a family, can we hide them? Yeah, we can grab a basket, go drop it in the safe house, walk away, and they are set for the next three to four days. All we said was, how can we help? (laughs) And God was like, okay. We got people in the church who say, I got a heart to feed the homeless. So they started gathering food and going taking baskets. The next thing I know, it's like a year later, like, hey, we bought a food truck. Yo, that food truck doesn't drive downtown and sell food. It's not at Blue Garden. You're not going to go down there and go to the Destiny food truck or the people that go to Destiny. You're not gonna, that's not, that doesn't exist. But there's people who had a heart, so they got a food truck. You want know that food truck's used for? To pack it full of food and take it down and feed the homeless. That's the only thing it's used for. It's just to invest in people because there was a heart and a need. When you're willing to say, here's my heart, God, what do you want me to do? You don't know what God's going to take that from. But we got to be available. Let me be clear. That's not an organizational thing. That's why I said it's not a destiny. Tra- it's not even, it's people who attend the church. That's it. We're family. It's not an organizational thing. This isn't about saying, God, how do you use me? Okay, where can I sign? What line? You may have a gift and a skill set that fits one of the things that we do. You may have a gift and a skill set that will never work in this room. And that doesn't mean that it's discounted or disqualifies you. It simply means it's for a different forum. You're not the post. Be the point guard. Play your position. Do what God's called you to do. Where has he called you to be? Are you willing to be that? Are you willing to step out? Are you willing to be the light that our world needs to see? Are you going to fail sometimes? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. Jesus talking to Peter, he's like, the devil's asked to sift you, and I pray that you don't fail. But when you fail, come back and do this. I'm like, how much faith does that put in you? If Jesus looked at you and like, hey, I pray that you never blow it. But after you blow it, here's what I want you to do. Like, really? That should give us all kinds of faith as Christians. He already knows you're not going to be perfect. Good. It doesn't mean don't try. It just means get up when you fail. If I get the band to start to come back up. See, in a second, I'm going to pray for you. But before I do, I want to challenge you. Your action point for the week is this. I want you to pray. Pray. Before you do anything else, pray. Who's God put on your heart? Who is somebody that God put on your heart to invest in this week? And then invite them to lunch, invite them to coffee, invest in that person. Take time to purpose time with that person this week. 
But the reason I said start with pray, because a lot of times we're like, who can I invest in? Oh, yeah, I'll go hang out with them. No, I'm not saying go hang out with your friend. Who God put on your heart? Who's the person that you may call, and that's the very moment they need somebody to say, hey, I'm praying for you. You don't, pause, time out. You don't have to make it weird. I was in my place of prayer this morning, and the Lord put your name on my heart. You don't got to do that. Text them. Call them. Hey, you want to go to coffee Thursday? That's all it's got to say. If they're like, why are you texting me? Then reply with, God just put you on my heart, so I wanted to see how you were doing. Simple, easy, honest. Don't fabricate something. Don't make it sound holier than that. Don't get together like, the Lord wanted me to bring Acts 13, 47 to you today. You don't preach him a message. Just sit down. How's your week going? I just want you to know, I've been asking God who to pray for this week, and he's put you on my heart. And I've been praying for you all week long. I promise you that'll mean more to somebody than you coming together with your manufactured sermon that you're trying to preach to them that they didn't come to, co- or come to church, they came to coffee. And if coffee turns into church, then praise God, but don't start the other way around. We spend too much time trying to, like, trick people into salvation, trying to trick people into conversations about the gospel. Just be normal. You ain't got to be weird. Don't. Some of y'all are already weird. That's okay. You can't change that. I'm with you. I can say that. But we just got to be us. Invest in people this week. So here's my question for you. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're in here today to say the truth of it is, Pastor Chris, I've been far too focused on the darkness in the world around us. And I have not let my life be the example of Jesus that it needs to be. And today I want to fix that. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I'm to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. pray right now for everybody who have the courage to lift their hand and say, God, I want my life to look more like you. I want to live in a way where people see me, they see the love and the grace of Jesus to the way I live my life. doesn't mean I'll be perfect, but it means I'm going to try my best to be more like you each and every day. God, I pray you give them the strength, the confidence to be who you've called them to be, go where you've called them to go. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. It's one thing to hear a message and say, yeah, I'm going to be more like Jesus. It's another thing to then have to be more like Jesus. (laughs) So let's press in. Let's take just a moment before we conclude. We're going to do another worship song, and let's press in for just a moment. Ask God to invade this place, invade our hearts, and truly be who he's called us to be.